engine pinging or is it pinking or detonation or knock and what is the difference between those things technically riddle me that batman let us deal with the physics of this and also the practicalities in case this ever happens to you down there I'm John Cadogan from AutoExpert.com.au and I get new cars cheap. Friggin' so, if I may be so bold. But Australia only, because hey, dude, we've all got limits. It's time to embrace them, accept them, and just move forward with our lives. So if you're not from around here, no can help, dude. Website, card. Now, I've got a question from you. If your name is Matthew Jones and... Even if it's not, you might like to find out if the four horsemen of the internal combustion apocalypse are about to erupt through your firewall and usher in an endless succession of plagues, turn the sea to blood and bring Scott Morrison back as Australian Prime Minister. I don't think any of us want that. So we'll deep dive into that in just a sec. But first, let there be light. This video is sponsored by Olight. Now, like every other thinking man on earth, I am convinced a fat man in a red jumpsuit at the North Pole with a flying sleigh and a fetish for elves is planning to invade my home again in roughly a month. Therefore, time to put on some trousers and Baden-Powell up, I'd suggest. Olight can really help here. There's a big sale on right now. Link in the description. Nothing screams. Pleased to see you, actually. Quite like a Marauder Mini stuffed down the front pocket of Yo Levi's. 7,000 Santa scorching lumens and a range of 600 metres, which is a hell of a long way from the chimney. I mean, point of ingress. This is actually an awesome new addition to the Olight range. If you spend just $1 more, though, Olight is going to throw in one of these neat Molly-compatible Goba safety lights. You can send one of the kids in, like the red-haired one. He's expendable. Tag that sleigh and Xville. That'll help the Strategic Air Command immensely. But if the fat man ultimately does breach your perimeter security, the Array 2 Pro high-performance headlamp will leave both hands free for a proportionate response, more or less, while offering flood and spot beams with a maximum of 1,500 lumens, plus a red mode that boosts night vision. It's also not bad for playing doctor. That's what I heard. Arkfeld now, a dual light source LED and green laser, the latter just tailor-made for tormenting the crap out of the neighbor's cat on Boxing Day. That's a joke, obviously. Five different brightness levels, maxing out at 1,000 lumens. Finally, if all countermeasures fail and you find yourself surrounded by endless friggin' boxes on Christmas morning, the Roboto 2 EDC folder with its 154 chrome molly sheep's foot blade will shred packaging endlessly, allowing you to cut straight through to the assembly instructions for that 13-station jungle gym the fat man has generously dumped in your backyard. Thanks a lot, bastard. <coughs> You've always wanted to put something like that together. God knows I have. 
Thank the Lord you're only five minutes away from the local emergency department. Am I right? Four concluding suggestions now. The Warrior Mini 2, which is my favourite O-Light for as many as two zombies per skirmish. The Warrior 3S, which is the same thing, essentially only a bit bigger. Three to four zombies maximum with that one, but still pocket-sized, upliftingly. For a full-on undead infestation, however, you simply cannot beat the Warrior X3, which is the Gina Carano of tortures. Vamanos, zombies. And for the car or fat cave, the mighty swivel. I do love a good swivel on Christmas morning. Imagine the look on your lovely wife's face when she unwraps her new swivel. You old charmer. Links in the description. The sale runs until midnight on the 29th. Plus a discount code AEJC for 12% off outside the sale if you haven't been paying attention. Thanks to Olight for being a rock-solid supporter of this admittedly highbrow YouTube channel throughout all of 2022. Now, before we get to Matty J, a quick shout-out to Jordan Shanks, Friendly Geordies. Objectively, like him or hate him, but objectively, one of the bravest new journalists in Australia who had his house amazingly firebombed just the other day. That's pretty confronting to those of us who get, you know, the powerful offside. And I'm not suggesting that I've taken on anyone as powerful as Mr Shanks, but the only thing saving me from a similar fate, obviously, is the complete and utter incompetence of the car industry. They couldn't get Jim's firebombing's phone number if their freaking life depended on it, thank the Lord. Anywho, I hope Mr Shanks is bearing up under the strain, which I'm sure was considerable, and I hope the cops do half as good a job figuring out who did this as they did stalking him for six to 12 months at considerable cost to the community. So there's that. Anyway, Matthew Jones now. Don't hate me. No guarantees, Matty J. I have... A 2008 Ford BFXR6 Mark II, naturally aspirated, owned by me since brand new. Lately have been using 91 Ron as the minimum fuel, as stated inside the filler door is 91, but it rattles, pings and knocks quite significantly and doesn't when on 98. Well, that's hardly surprising. We'll get into the issue of when knock is significant and when it ain't in just a sec, Matty J. But don't be breath-holding, because I am going to read the rest of your email before we deep dive. I think it's always done this even when you... I try to use 98 where possible, because the difference in power, responsiveness, willingness to rev, change-down, pick-up on kick-down, etc. is so much better. It's like it's drowsy on 91, even though that is the engine's default fuel setting. Go figure. Moving off from the lights on 91, it rattles briefly, hesitates, and then it's okay. Doesn't do it on 98. It's the 4-litre barra naturally aspirated, 191 kilowatt, 393 newton metre engine. It's starting to get the lube out, I think. Totally stock, no tunes, etc. And 192,000 k's on the clock and regularly serviced properly with quality parts and consumables. Two thumbs up. Matty J, I don't think you've got much of a problem, dude. Am I right in thinking that the VCT in the engine, I think he means the computer, why am I talking like him? Maybe it's contagious. Holy shit, Batman. 
is doing its thing and optimizing the timing etc for the 98 octane fuel or is there actually something dysfunctional going on with it on 91 if the minimum fuel is 91 why is it behaving drowsy is the oxygen sensor or some other part getting too old and senile to know what to do anymore? If it is, dude, I freaking know how it feels. It's a living hell. Would appreciate your thoughts. Also, I'm not sure if I've contacted you in the right place to ask this sort of technical question. No, this isn't the right place. And I hate it when people contact me in the wrong place. I really hate that. I'm quite particular, believe it or not. Now, let's drill down into this. This is like typical of the automotive scene, right? There's one phenomenon and we give it four names. We call it pinging, pinking, detonation or knock. And they're all the same thing, right? So what's supposed to happen inside an engine if we slow it all down? I mean, people get the wrong idea about what goes on in an engine because it happens so freaking quickly. If you think about an engine doing 3,000 RPM, which is hardly remarkable, right? And it's 50 revolutions a second, and it needs two revolutions to do one complete cycle per cylinder, okay? So that means 1 25th of a second for the four strokes, four strokes, suck, squeeze, bang, and blow. And we're talking about bang, the important one. So that's 40 milliseconds for the four, which means 10 milliseconds for one of them, bang, okay? And that's pretty quick, 10 milliseconds, one one hundredth of a second. But what happens if we slow it all down like Neo in the Matrix? Then what happens is the spark plug fires, the valves are closed, right? Piston's kind of up there, not quite there, but I can feel it, it's, it's gonna, you know, it's up there. The spark plug fires and then there's a flame front that starts and it just, it wraps around the spark and then it starts to expand. It's like propagating, it's sort of expanding. People think this is an explosion, it's not, it's really burning. Technically the process is called deflagration, which is different to a sort of high explosive which detonates. So you've got deflagration, which is like burning, log fire, whatever. This is more like that. Detonation is a supersonic propagation of the shockwave, the flame front, whatever. Okay, so in a properly functional engine, there's one flame front and it grows from the spark outwards in a controlled way at a precise time in the cycle, even though the cycle is very, very quick. Okay, detonation is probably the best name for this thing because you know when you hear it off the mark and it sounds like somebody's dropped a handful of ball bearings inside a big steel tank well that's because you get these other flame fronts that just begin spontaneously at the wrong time and they detonate which means they propagate supersonically inside the combustion chamber and that's that rattling sound that you can hear and that's knock pinging pinking the other one, which escapes me momentarily because, you know, I'm old and my fucking brain is, you know, it's on the way out. I can feel it every day. I look over the horizon and I can smell the cemetery beckoning, saying, come to me, <laughs> come to me. That's not funny. The other one. Then, you know, what, we, what we're basically talking about here is 
uncontrolled detonation. And whether this is bad or inconsequential really depends on how it happens. And this knock that people notice because everything's happening quietly, cars at a red light, at idle, you've got the music off, whatever, and you put your foot down, you maybe put your foot down a little bit aggressively and you get that brief rattle that then goes away. That is more or less inconsequential. It really doesn't destroy engines. What destroys engines is when you get the same phenomenon happen when you pull out to overtake a truck on a hot day up a really steep hill and you bury your foot and you go for about 20 seconds at or near maximum power and the engine knocks. If that happens, what happens when you get a detonation inside the cylinder is that the pressure rises dramatically in an unforeseen way beyond the design limits of the engine and it leads to the destruction of valves, melting pistons, dogs and friggin' cats living together, basically. So you don't want that. That's bad. But this off-the-mark thing, not such a big deal, okay? That's more just a... That's more just an inconsequential thing. So the things that cause knock, I made a list of all of the things because there's heap of, heaps of them. And if I don't read from my list, I'm going to forget one, like I forget the fourth name all the time, right? So the first thing I would do if I was you and I was concerned about that is I'd check the knock sensor, make sure that's working. I'd check the crank angle sensor and make sure the engine control computer knows where the crank is because that's kind of important. Freaking fly! Australia! Best damn country on earth! Check the crank angle sensor because it's always nice if the engine knows where the crank is. I'd be checking the timing chain for wear as well because the precise orientation of the crank and the camshafts is kind of important for overall functionality as well. Okay. What you can do to fix knock is you can retard the timing, you could increase the octane rating of the fuel, which is an experiment that Matty J has been running. You could put a richer mixture in place as well. If you can tune the car at all, you could just richen it up. But although that's probably a bad way to do it because adding more fuel just to keep things cooler, as it were, is an expensive way to cure an otherwise inconsequential problem, I'd suggest. You could lower the compression ratio. If it was a real problem, lowering the compression ratio is easy. If you just manufacture up a slightly thicker head gasket and install that, you could probably do that. Not warranted in this case. Uh, you could also just reduce your throttle input briefly because one of the things that does this, this is a flip side of reducing the load on the engine as well. Okay, Because when you're at the red light and you gas it, then the car is operating against its inertia. And the harder, it's a bit like a punch versus a push, right? A push is gentle and a punch is much harder. And the same, it's the same inertial phenomenon, same sort of mass that you're moving with a push or a punch. But action and reaction are equal and opposite, right? So if you just reduce your throttle pressure briefly off the mark, that's going to reduce the load that the engine operates against. It's a bit more like a push and less like a punch. And then things will catch up and the pinging will go away and you know you won't notice it although if you want to gas it off the mark then you're going to have to put up with that noise if you're running 91. You could also fit water injection because keeping things cool down there is a net benefit in so many ways and certainly this is the case with engine knock. Now as for this last point of Maddie's about what did he call it about engine, his engine being drowsy 
on 91, being unwilling to rev and unresponsive and didn't want to kick down and being low on power and all of that stuff. I'd suggest that this business about turning night into day and all of a sudden it's sex with a supermodel when you run 98, that's a thing. There's some truth to it, but it's completely over-ascribed and overstated, right? It's called confirmation bias, and we've all got it. It's all sort of deeply wired in our brains, and it's like a, a defect with the program, and we have to work really hard to root it out, okay? So what happens is you come up with a hypothesis, which most people would call a theory, but that's not what a theory is, and then you run the experiment, and you really, really want it to work, and therefore it does. You're over-enthusiastic on the benefits, and not insufficiently skeptical of any negative feedback, like how friggin' much this is costing you, okay? And this is mostly that. There would be some benefit to running 98, but I'd suggest it's bee's dick, like properly bee's dick. And what we're talking about here is all that an engine can do is listen for knock. Oh look, Black Hawk down. <laughs> Thanks a lot. The engines have got these little microphones in them and they don't listen for a Black Hawk helicopter crashing just out there in the bush. What they do is they listen for knock and then they tell the engine to retard the timing. And if you run a higher octane fuel in your car, you will get slightly more timing advance for any sort of operating condition. And what that'll deliver is slightly more torque at the crank, but BD. Okay, that's the fact of it. That's the only adaptation that your engine can make when it comes to higher octane fuel. And if you wanted to optimize for higher octane fuel, you'd have to change the whole fuel air map and do all of that stuff and basically also increase the compression ratio because that's fundamentally where the thermodynamic benefit of higher octane fuel derives, right? So you're really only getting some of the potential benefits. It's costing you a heap more. The obvious thing to do is see how you go on E10. A lot of people think E10 is an inferior fuel, and it, although it does have less energy, it's a higher octane fuel than 91, and that might solve this off-the-mark knocking problem at a fraction of the cost of 98. The thing you've got to be really careful about is getting a properly highly tuned car, usually from Europe, like a 911 GT3 or something, and then just tipping 91 in it and doing a couple of hot laps. Because that is an engine that is not designed to run ever on 91, and you'd be asking a lot of it by getting it up to its maximum power output at points on the track, depending on you and how you can drive. And that would be the example of the four horsemen of the automotive apocalypse coming out. And I don't know what the bill for a lunched GT3 engine is, but I do know I can't afford it. So most people, well, not most people, but a lot of people obsess about the knocking that they hear off the mark. I'd suggest that it's inconsequential. I mean, this car is 14 years old, and if it's been doing it since new, as Matty J suggests, then... You know, it has been, by any objective definition, inconsequential, and therefore it's not something to worry about. And if you just don't like it, start with E10. If that doesn't work, go to 95. And if you must, run 98. Tell yourself that it's, you know, the old supermodel. It's Naomi Campbell on a bearskin rug if you want. But objectively, dude, it's not.